Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. So on today's episode, my guest is Yasmin Thomas, and we're talking about the wake-up call that turned her finances completely around for the better. And I'll tell you a little bit about Yasmin. She's a working mom, award-winning journalist, and financial coach who teaches high-achieving moms how to live out their best financial futures. She believes that one of the smartest decisions that she has ever made with money is to pursue a debt-free lifestyle, and as a result, she's gained financial freedom to make a career move, start a business, and have more time for her family. Through her blog, podcast, and YouTube channel in both English and Spanish, she teaches busy moms how to maximize their income, achieve their money goals, and improve their financial well-being. She also uses her training as a Ramsey Solutions Master Financial Coach, her experience as an 11-time Regional Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist, and the lessons she learned surviving unemployment after the 2008 recession to teach women how to take charge of their financial success. She believes that hardworking moms should reward themselves. That's why enjoying all the things, debt-free, is a pillar of her money philosophy. So on this episode, Yasmin gets into what the real impact of the 2008 recession was on her family, on her finances, especially dealing with unemployment in her household. She talks about her background growing up and how money was not something that was talked about often and the way that impacted her as a young adult. In addition, she also shares the specific things that her and her husband had to do to recover from the unemployment, get themselves back together financially, and start working towards their financial goals. And so this is an episode that is very, very inspiring. Yasmin shares the details of her experience and also what she had to do to turn her finances around, and you will get a ton of insight and nuggets from this episode. I really enjoyed talking to Yasmin. But before we get into the episode, if you haven't stopped by Clever Girl Finance in some time or you haven't actually been to our website, head over to clevergirlfinance.com. We have new articles on the blog multiple times a week. And we also have a library of really awesome financial courses on a variety of topics. And once you sign up, you also get access to scheduled time for a free conversation with a Clever Girl Finance mentor who is there to guide you, support you, help you look at your budget, and basically be your accountability partner as you work on improving your finances. Also, when you stop by clevergirlfinance.com, you can get access to the Clever Girl Finance Roadmap. It's available on our front page or any of our blog pages. And basically what it is, is a workbook that you can download and keep as a reference as you work on improving your finances. It is based on the six tenets of financial success that are covered in detail in the Clever Girl Finance book. And it is definitely a great resource for you to have and also to share. And finally, be sure to stop by the YouTube channel for Clever Girl Finance. We have some really awesome new videos on the YouTube channel. We stepped up our YouTube game and you will definitely enjoy watching them. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Tell your girlfriends about it if you are loving what you're listening to. And also head over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. So let's talk to Yasmin. Hi, Yasmin. Hey, Bola. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for being a part of today's podcast episode. I am so excited to talk to you. Um, and I would love for you to introduce yourself to everyone. So who are you and what do you do? Of course. Well, my name is Yasmin Thomas. I am a working mom, a journalist. I'm also a financial coach. And just to give you like uh, just a quick um, uh, just idea of what I do, 
I am originally from Mexico, so I was born and raised in Mexico. I immigrated to the United States about 17 years ago um, because I married my husband and he's from here. So that's how I ended up over here. I did spend about two years uh, studying abroad here in Missouri. So that's when I had my first um, experience living in the United States. But mainly for the last 15 years, I've been living and working here and really learning a lot about how to manage money. Um, it's really different as uh, how we do it in Mexico. And I've been uh, professionally a journalist, uh, mainly broadcast journalist. And a lot of the work that I've done has been in the financial crimes investigations. So working with people who are being uh, basically ripped off financially, um, I got very interested in helping people not end up in a bad situation. And that's how I ended up becoming a financial coach because I had the heart to help them. And, you know, I had the skills as a journalist to give them information, but I wanted to know how to help them better. And so that's why I ended up becoming a financial coach as well. That's awesome. And you're, you are not just any kind of journalist. You're an 11 time Emmy winning <laughs> journalist. Right. So can we just <laughs> share that real quick? You're amazing. And you and I met at the Dave Ramsey Influencer event in Tennessee. And it was just such a pleasure to talk to you and learn your story, like how you got to where you are. And so I'm just really excited to have you on the podcast. So in that vein, I'd love for you to share what is your money story? How did you go from being a journalist to getting yourself out of debt to becoming a personal finance expert? Well, thank you so much, Bola. And uh, I, I really appreciate uh, being here to share my story because I think a lot of people will resonate with it. Honestly, I did not have a money story 15 years ago. Um, you know, I was single, lived in Mexico, worked for my parents on their family business, I had a salary, but they took care of many things. So I really didn't worry about money because my dad was an entrepreneur and basically he worked really hard to give us a very nice, um, comfortable lifestyle. So when you get married and you do the, the real world, that's when your money, in, in my case, that's when my money story began. And I, I came over to the United States. I got my first job and I was super excited. You know, I was making, I think my first job, I was make, making like $3,000 a month. And mm -hmm. I had never made that money. You know, in Mexico, I guess, my, I think my, my highest salary was like $800 a month. So you can imagine coming and having that uh, income for me was like huge. I'm, you know, I'm making so much money. Yeah. At the same time, <laughs> you're learning that, yeah, the cost of, of living is different. And now you're married, so you're thinking about, well, hopefully one day we'll like to, to um, buy a house. And then I got pregnant, well, you know, like a few months after being married. So things started changing rapidly. And something that I had never done was talk about money because my parents did not talk about money. It's one of those topics in Mexico. It's just like sex. There's no sex ed. <laughs> There's no conversations about having your period or having sex. There's no conversations about money, you know, at least mm -hmm. in my family. And many traditional Mexican families are the same way. So coming here, I had to learn, you know, what is a credit score, how to use credit cards. Like, I had no idea. Like, my parents used credit cards, and all they told me was just make sure pay it off at the end of the month, you know, in full. But I never really understood credit. I never liked uh, being in debt because 
I saw a lot of people borrowing money from my dad, you know, a lot of family members and never paying it back. And it would be a recurring thing. And my dad was very generous and he would help him, but he would never get paid back for that money. And I, I resented that. And I thought to myself, I will never borrow money and I will never borrow money and tell people I'm going to pay them back and then not pay them back, you know? So I just had these really, um, I, I, I was not comfortable about the idea of being in debt. So when I get married to my husband, we both come from very different backgrounds. You know, my dad took care of my college. He had to put himself through college. So he had to get student loans. Like he always had to work. He, very totally different backgrounds. And that was, um, that was a shock. So, but the real, the heart of the story, the money story begins three years into our marriage. We, uh, we had moved to Arizona. I had a great job. He had a great job. We were making great money. And we were just living the life of, uh, you know, a couple that makes a good income and, and lives a comfortable lifestyle. Nothing crazy, nothing luxurious. We were just living a lifestyle based on two incomes. And then the recession happened. And by this time, we had two babies. And he lost <sighs> his job. And that was like 65% of our income. So suddenly, you know, without warning, without having any idea of what to do, I became the main provider for the family. And that was one of the most hardest things things that I've ever had to do in my life. And when when we were in the midst of it, which really lasted like three years, it was three years of me providing him not being able to find a, a decent job that would pay for two babies in daycare for him to be able to go to work. So the roles really shifted. We were not, never prepared for that, never thought we would be in that situation. I thought if you wanted to work, there would always be work because that's what I had seen my dad do. I didn't understand what a recession was. I didn't understand what unemployment was. I I, I thought that unemployed people were lazy people, honestly. That was my idea. <laughs> and then when that happened, not by choice, you right? realize. Yeah, exactly. And then you realize that the guy wants to go to work and no one would call him back. You know, he's trying and no one would call him back. So it was a very, I mean, we could spend a day telling you all the really bad situations that happened, but it was a time that looking back, I am so grateful for because it really taught me the way that I did not want to live, which Mm -hmm. was in financial um, anxiety, you know? And, you know, I went through a lot of stress and anxiety. I would get uh, anxiety attacks at work because I was in a very stressful uh, job situation, but I didn't have options. And I didn't have options because we had the car loans, student loans, the mortgage, you know, the credit cards. We had all the loans, the borrow and k loan, every single one of them we had. Wow. And we had to pay them. And, you know, the idea of losing your house or losing your car because of money was to me frustrating. And so when he finally got another job and suddenly, you know, again, from one day to the next day, our income double, I was like, you know what? We're going to use this money to clean out as many debts as we have. And we're never going to have in this situation. We're we're never going to be in this situation again. And we're not 100% debt free. We have a mortgage still. And we're working, you know, my idea is to pay it off as soon as possible, but we did pay off the cards, credit cards, and got into the mindset of never again buying anything that we cannot pay for cash. Mm -hmm. 
And so far, we're getting there. <laughs> so that's that's such an amazing story. You know, a number of things that you said kind of hit home for me. You know, we're in a lot of families. Money is not something that is talked about. Um, my mom talked to me about money, but it was because of the experience that she was going through as a young woman trying to figure it out and realizing, wait a minute, I don't know anything. I don't want my daughter to be in the situation that I'm seeing my friends in and just her figuring it out and then telling me what she knew. But even with what she knew, right, she knew what it was like to manage money in her environment, but not as an immigrant in another country, which is what you had to find out. And I also had to learn. And then you talked about, you know, like, you know, when you are working and making money, you know, you would look at unemployed people and think that they were lazy. And sometimes you don't really realize the extent or depth of a situation until you find yourself in that situation. You're like, wait a minute. Oh my God, what I thought was wrong. Sometimes it's because there's no option. But then how do I get myself out of this? And for you to kind of get all those learning lessons and, um, you know, have to navigate through that period, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been, especially in in your relationship, right? Because I remember when we oh, were at the... Oh, I think that was the hardest. <laughs> yeah, at the, yeah, at the event when we were talking, you had said that, you know, it was just really a challenge for you to watch your husband who is used to working, who is used to being the caretaker and providing for the home. I mean... Um, your husband who's used to be who's used providing for the home just not be able to find work and he wanted to work he wanted to work i mean he he was depressed i was depressed we were stressed we couldn't talk about money because we would argue and you know there was just not enough coming in and i remember feeling the stress of checking the bank account every time i had to go to the grocery store just to make sure there was money and i remember feeling feeling lucky that I had a credit card so that I could put groceries on a credit card so that we could use my salary to pay the debts, you know, the mortgage, the cars, the student loans, the credit card debt that was just growing. And I just remember in that moment thinking that using credit cards was, was, you know, my, my, my hope. And now that I look back, I'm like, if I had made better use of the money that we had when we did have it coming in, if I had known about emergency funds and paying off your debts and preparing for a, a, a financial downturn, because I didn't even understand that concept, mm-hmm. you know, we wouldn't have gone through that. But you go through things in life for a reason. And the learning, yes. as, mama, as painful as it was, because it was painful, I, I wouldn't want it again, because it was very painful. Because, I mean, when you spend so long, so much time, living in financial um, anxiety, that becomes your lifestyle. And you, you lose sight of a better way of living, you know, and you start wondering if this is what life is about, then why, you know? I mean, I was at that point that I was wondering, why is life the way it is? Why is life so difficult? And it was all because I didn't know how to better manage my money. And thankfully, you know, we made it through, he found another job and, you know, things just started getting back to, to normal, but really there's never going to be a normal because now we know better and you have to stay ready (laughs) because you see everybody else doing everything else, you know, on social media, they post pictures of their beautiful cars (laughs) and purchases and restaurants. And you're like, the great life you're trying to. Yeah, I'm like, I'm cooking at home all weekend so we can save money and people go out and eat. And then you start wondering if you're doing the right thing. 
Yeah. And every time I start wondering, I just go back, you know, I don't like to live in my past because it wouldn't be useful, but I, I don't want to forget it because when you start forgetting your mistakes from the past, that's when you start making new mistakes. So Yasmin, you guys have gotten to a point where you have paid off pretty much all of your debt with the exception of your mortgage, which you're still working on paying off right now, right? Exactly. So you're not in this space where you're helping other people, um, knowing what you, you now know and just having that experience that you went through of just not being prepared, not having that plan in place. And so how did you get to the point where you went from being a journalist to helping other people? As an additional question, how did you overcome that fear? Because, you know, one of your biggest fears was, well, we, if we're not employed, then we don't have money coming in. But then there you are with this crazy idea to start a business. <laughs> And start, yeah. <laughs> and start tampering with your income to launch this business. <laughs> so how did you kind of make that transition? Well, it, was, um, it wasn't easy. Honestly, I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I had to go back to work to be able to make the transition. Because when I launched my business, I thought I was getting some clients. So it's going to be easy to continue growing um, the business as I go full time. And at the same time, we made a decision to move from one city to the other city. So I, I didn't understand as a new entrepreneur that your contacts are really important, your network. Like really, your business is within your net network. And although I was having business within that network when we lived in Texas, we decided to move for family reasons because we just wanted to have a um, more laid back lifestyle. So I had to start mm -hmm. from, from the beginning. And now I, I find myself, it's harder to start a business when you move to a new town. So I had to kind of go back to work and keep side hustling my business so that I can really focus on growing it because I got to the point that I was more focused on selling or, you know, getting myself out there to, to be able to bring an income than to be able to grow the business, just helping people, you know? So when I felt that I was doing that, I'm like, you know what? This is not working because I'm not focused on the right thing. So I'm going to go back, find, a, find another job just to bring in the income so that, I cannot, so that I can continue to grow my business without using my savings. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And so now you're in this space where you talk to people every day, you're supporting people every day, you know, getting through their own financial challenges. And when it comes to women in particular, um, you know, you and I are both women of color and we work with a lot of other women like us. What do you see as some of the biggest issues holding women like us back when it comes to achieving financial success or even belie believing that we can do it? I think it's lack of information. That's why I'm so passionate about being a journalist, about focusing on financial uh, topics, about becoming a financial coach, just to have the right uh, information to give people. We, uh, at least I'm going to speak for Hispanic women. We have not been taught to talk about money um, culturally. And we've also been told that it is the men's responsibility to handle the finances. So it's pretty much like we just give away control of our financial future. And in the past, many uh, Hispanic women would stay home. You know, that would be the norm, that you stay home with the kids, the men provides, you make the best out of the money that he brings in, uh, in terms of, you know, taking care of the family, and he works and makes the money, and you don't know about the finances of the household. 
Mm-hmm. But now it's not the same way. Now the woman is, is working as well. She's providing for the family. She needs to really be in control of what's happening. Even if she's staying at home with the kids, there has to be communication with your husband. There has to be a planning together for the future. There has to be transparency in what the finances of the, of the family are. You know, uh, in my case, I was told to have... Um, like a separate amount of money secret from my husband, just in case something <laughs> happened, you know? And like, when, when you really analyze that, they're basically telling you, be prepared for a failed mar- marriage with your own secret fund. When I start learning that that's really not the, the way to, to succeed financially in your marriage, that you have to make plans together and you have to budget together. And I'm all about uh, the money is the household income. It's not my income and his income. It's the household income. And how are we going to use this, you know, to grow our success together? When you see things in that way, then your options are limitless. But when you're worried about my money, his money, he pays for this, I pay for that, then you guys are already walking separate ways. And yeah. this is a very controversial topic for, for a lot of women, you know? <laughs> We've talked about it on the podcast before. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like when it comes to relationships and everybody's relationship is unique and different. And I always put that out there. Like you want to do what works best for you and your partner because you know your partner. You guys, you can take any gospel anybody is preaching, but if it doesn't work for you guys as a unit, then forget about it. But, you know, I, my husband and I, we have joint finances. We have separate finances, separate, not in the sense that it's my money versus your money. It's all of it is our money, but separate in the sense that there are just some things that we don't necessarily need to have conversations about, right? So I don't have secret accounts, but I have my own accounts. I have a get out of Dodge account. (laughs) That's what I call it. (laughs) My backup to my backup, but he knows that it's there, but it's just, you know, and and there's also the conversation about prenup versus no prenup. But I feel like when people are going into the relationship, right, you want to come into your relationship, especially when it comes to money with the mindset that you are here to make this work. And we are a unit. We are a team. This is our money, right? Not, oh, well, I paid for dinner last night and you're going to pay for lunch today. Like, stop it. <laughs> exactly. No, I feel the same way. My husband and <laughs> like, I, we have... We have totally merged finances. Everything goes into one. We, we only have one savings account and one checking account. Mm-hmm. He has, you know, 401k. I have my 401k. But all the expenses are drafted from the same account. And we both have like a monthly allowance that we can spend on whatever we want to spend without giving uh, explanations or asking for permission exactly. or anything. Because that's exactly. one of the things that that women are like, uh, well, I don't want to have to ask permission to spend. Well, you don't have to if you guys come to an agreement of, okay, this is an amount of money that we both agree each of us can spend without having to ask permission for. And that's liberating. And now you know that, you know, you're not going to overdraft the bank account, that he's not making purchases on credit cards that you don't know about. Yep, and yep. It's, it's transparent. Yeah, you have to be on the same page and know the full big picture. So just because you have a separate 401k or even a separate savings account doesn't mean that you should be blind to that. You guys should be basically full disclosure. You guys, you know, in a relationship, especially if you're if you're married or a long-term committed relationship, like honestly, like the full disclosure is so key. That communication aspect is so key to a successful relationship. Like when you get to this, the point where you find yourself hiding this and hiding that... <laughs> I personally believe yeah, that it's, it's better to have the argument about it and remain in full disclosure 
right? And you ease into the conversation so it doesn't become this big, big blowout. But it's better to have that difficult conversation than to have the burden of the fact that you're hiding this debt or you're hiding this thing from this person and over time it builds up and then it's like oh my god you've been doing this for 10 years and for you know how can you have done this and it becomes this whole thing that sometimes some people can't even forgive or they hold resentment towards each other as a result so yeah this is a whole other topic <laughs> yes and you may have to come back <laughs> <Yeah>. on <laughs> exactly <laughs> so one of the things you talked about is you know traditionally and i think this this traditionally women um don't necessarily talk about money. They're not taught about money. I think this is universal, you know, um, similar in my background, similar today. I think with the millennial generation, the younger generation, they're starting to realize that, wait a minute, you know, I need to take ownership because I'm making money as well. I'm making maybe sometimes more than my spouse. I'm single. I'm a single mom. I'm divorced or, you know, just different factors that make you realize that, wait a minute, I need to take ownership of my money. I can't rely on somebody to like just manage all the money and I just don't know anything about it. And so what are, what are some key things you would tell a woman who is either a single woman or a woman that's, you know, a single mom or just doesn't have that second secondary income from a partner in the space that's contributing financially? What are some things you would tell her to help her as she works on building her own wealth, especially given your background where you had to learn everything by yourself and you don't necessarily at the time didn't know what it meant to invest or about credit score or things like that? Because even in today's, in, in today's world, there are lots of women who are just still trying to figure it out, but they have the intention that they want to do well with their money. They're, you know, they're committed to the process. It's just like, wait a minute, I just don't know how to, to figure this out. I'm going to tell you what worked for me because I believed everything that they taught us on the television, you know, that you needed the credit cards <laughs> and the miles and the points and the 0% financing in the vehicle. I, I did all of that. And all of that works as long as you have the income to pay for your monthly payments. But when that income is gone, when you commit ahead of time, your income, everything crashes down. And that's what I learned. You can do it the way they show on TV. You can go get the credit cards. You can go get the loans. You can buy everything on credit. Everything. They will let you borrow any money. TV, the furniture. One of the first ads I saw when I first moved here was, um, it was something about, you could come to this store, I forget what it was called, and you could rent everything down to your house plants for like $25 yeah. a month. I was like, what? Exactly. What? <laughs> well, when I was a student, I didn't have an income because I was here as an international student. They would send me credit card offers in the mail. And I was like, why would they offer a credit card to someone that has no money to pay it, you know? <laughs> and I didn't even, like, I got one because they told me it was good for my credit and all of that stuff. And then they call me and they told me, we're, we're issuing you a $30 late fee because you haven't paid. And I'm like, well, I used it once and I thought I could pay it whenever I wanted to pay it. You know, that was my idea of using credit cards. <laughs> but now, many years later, this is what I will tell you. I would say you need to budget. You really under, need to understand how much money you're really bringing in, not how much money you make, you know, because you may make $50,000 a year and you might be living the $50,000 lifestyle, but in reality, you're bringing in 40 or 35, you know, after you pay for taxes and yep. you put money in, in your 401k and you, you know, all these deductions, like you really need to understand how much money you're bringing in if you're single, if you're married, how much money your household is bringing in and how much it takes you to live. 
And the best advice I would tell you is don't spend it until you earn it. Do not get into credit card debt. Do not go ahead and finance a vehicle. You know, the only, I'm also a Ramsey Solutions Master Financial Coach. So the only debt that we don't really scream to people about is the mortgage. But anything else, going through my husband's unemployment, being responsible for making all those debt payments, I realized that we didn't need to have two car payments. We didn't need to have credit cards. We didn't need to have student loans. We didn't need to have a 401k loan. We had too much money going out. What we needed was to stop spending money and be real with ourselves and live a lifestyle that was really within our means. So that would be my best advice. Really look at your income. Yeah, do your budget every single month and see how much money you're really spending and try to get rid of all the consumer debt as fast as you can. I know people think it's impossible to live without a mortgage. We're working towards that, and that's going to be my my big goal. Hopefully, in the next 7 to 10 years, we can get it done. But if you start paying off your credit cards and eliminate the use of it, if you pay off your car or even sell it and get yourself you know, a, a cheaper car that you can pay cash for it, if you stop making any purchases that you cannot afford to pay cash for, your entire financial landscape changes. Because now you have money to make more money with. Now you have money to invest. Now you have money to put down a down payment for a house. You have money that will give you options. And when you have debt, debt will give you shackles, will give you restrictions. Mm -hmm. And your debt is going to end up drowning you like I felt like I was drowning, you know, when the income wasn't there. And that's what I think we don't do. We, We make plans thinking that tomorrow is going to be better, but you really don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. That's so true. And I, I love that point, live within your means. I think sometimes we hear it so often that we take it for granted or we're like, oh my God, we start to do it and then it gets really hard. And you're like, oh my God, you know, I can't do this. I just need to buy that thing or use this credit card to pay for that thing and figure it out when I get paid next week or next month. But really buckling down and sitting down and living within your means which means cutting back, building your debt repayments into your income. You know, all those things is so, so key. And when you start doing it, it's tight and it's painful and it's uncomfortable, but nobody has ever succeeded at anything in their comfort zone, right? You know, you are comfortable overspending and getting into debt and it's going to take some discomfort. In fact, a lot of discomfort to achieve anything big. And it may not just be paying off debt because when you get to the other side of paying off debt, then you have money to save, right? You have goals to accomplish. You have things you want to achieve. That in itself is also going to be uncomfortable. And in order to do those things, you also have to live within your means to achieve your financial goals, to, you know, go on your dream trip, to be able to do all these big life goals that you have for yourself still requires you to live within your means. And people will hear that and say, oh yeah, you know, Paula, you're always preaching this, (laughs) which (laughs) which I'm always doing. But, you know, when you think about it, right, it's not like suffer and die. You can have an amazing life living within your means. You can splurge and buy the things that you really want living within your means. It's all about, like you said, 
creating that budget and planning for it accordingly and saving up for what it is that you can't afford until you can afford it as opposed to leveraging credit to get that thing, especially if it's like a trivial thing that has no value that once you buy it, it's gone with the wind and then the debt is left with the interest waiting for you. Exactly. And I think one of the things that makes it more uncomfortable because it is going to be uncomfortable, it is going to be painful, but it is going to be worth it. And something that people need to keep in mind, it is temporary. If you have debt and you start making payments to get rid of it, you're going to be able to, at one point, be debt free. And that's going to give you a lot of options. The, the problem is that we have a lot of peer pressure, you know, from our family members, <laughs> social friends, media, Instagram, work, <laughs> social media, your you know, frenemies. So we're, yeah, we're like comparing ourselves to people and then we end up in debt just because of that pressure. You know, maybe you didn't even wanted that other car, but people are getting cards. So now you're going and taking an advantage with air quotes of the zero percent <laughs> financing, <laughs> but zero percent for the first three months. <laughs> yes, <laughs> knowing that you're not going to pay off that financing in those three months. Yeah, <laughs> you know it, it. It is uncomfortable, but then you have to think about you know the payoff. You know, I think about myself and wanting to leave my full time job to start Clever Girl Finance, and I was able to save and plan. You know for having an income or being able to accommodate not having the income for X amount of time until I started making money in the business. And I think about, you know, imagine, I imagine if I was overloaded with debt or I had a ton of, you know, credit card debts I needed to pay, there is no way I would have been able to create that plan for myself. There is no way I would have been able to make that transition for something that I really wanted to do, which was pursue my business full time. If I was in that crosshairs with, you know, all this debt and all this interest. So you really have to think about what is most important to you, like having that why, having that thing that compels you to want to succeed, right? And um, Yasmin, I'd love for you to tell me what is your own why because you sound super determined <laughs> talking oh, through your story. <laughs> but- you know, I, I am I'm having the time of my life because I usually cannot have these conversations with people and face without facing resistance. Like even my oh. best friends will argue with me on how it's important to have credit cards and how, how many, how many, how much money they saved on the, on their last trip to Disney world with the points that they've <laughs> you know, accumulated on all their credit cards. And I'm like, you can go to Disney and pay cash for it. Just, just as you would go, but it would be cheaper in the end. But I'm just having a blast here because I don't have to argue with you about the importance of becoming debt free. What it has given me, my huge why is freedom. I took uh, a 50% pay cut to be able to make the move of leaving my, you know, career in journalism, exiting an environment that although it was professionally rewarding, but it was really depressing you know because we're just covering bad news bad news bad news it's also a career as a broadcast journalist you are mostly all the time away from your family and the time you're with your family it's what I would call my leftovers because I would get up early to prepare to to go for to work to you know get all the news that was going on get ready you know dressed up and all makeup and all that stuff I would go to work for eight or nine hours then I would drive for an hour, get my kids, 
and my kids would get the leftovers of me because I was done. You know, many times I had to work late. We had to make arrangements for them to be picked up. My kids grew up for many years in daycare, you know, so I really had to put my family. I don't want people to, to get this wrong, but when you're working in an environment that sucks in all your prime time, you give your family your leftovers. And that's what I've done for a long time. So I made a decision. Okay, I've had this successful career as a journalist. I make good money. I don't want this. And I have the option to scale back, to make a transition, to start building up my business and spend more time with my family. That transition is going to mean that I take a big pay cut. But what do I rather have? The time, the peace of mind, less stress, more freedom, or the career that I already had that was not, it was a successful career, but it wasn't fulfilling, you know, so what's the point of it? So mm-hmm. that's what it's given me. It's right, given me true. the freedom to make that move. Because if I had a bunch of debt, I couldn't make the move because I would have built up a, a lifestyle based on that salary, you know. But paying off the debt gave us the freedom to say, I'm going to quit my job. We're going to move. I'm going to start building my business, you know. And if my business is go- growing slow, I can get another job just to supplement so I don't have to drain my, my savings and I can focus on building my business, you know. All along, having more freedom, not having a nine-to-five being able to spend more time with my kids, pick them up from school, drop them off, have that flexibility that your usual nine to five doesn't give you. So Mm -hmm. my huge why is freedom and that doesn't have a price. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, just something to reiterate the fact that you worked the job that you did not like while you made plans and you lived within your means so that you could get to the other side and be able to do what you do want, right? Which is have the freedom to spend more time with your children. And I can definitely relate to the whole resistance piece that you talked about, right? You know, people always, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when you hear other people's stories, other people's success stories, whenever I listen to, because I love listening to people's success stories that have done amazing things. And I always take what I need And the stuff that is not relevant to me that I can't relate to, I just put it aside, but I focus on what I need. But too many people make the mistake of because they hear the one thing that they cannot relate to or because they don't like what that person says because it makes them feel too uncomfortable, they dismiss the whole thing. And instead of making progress, they stay in this space where they're like, oh, yes, the reason why you can do that is because you are an Emmy award-winning journalist, because you have a working spouse, because your children go to a cheap daycare, because you live in a cheap city, because, because, because 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 and then you completely miss out on the whole point and the whole message of what is being passed across the table to you you know to help you succeed and make changes and everybody's life and situation is different right you might be single you may not you may be you may have a working spouse you may not have a working spouse you know you may, you may be unemployed but there's always something that you can take away from somebody else's story that you can apply to your own life situation even if it's just a small thing um even if it's just inspiration or motivation or just you know whatever that small thing is so i'm really glad that you shared that thank you and i think you nailed it the way you summarized it And I also want to tell people who are like, you know, wondering, you know, what to take off this table. I used to be like that. Take everything. Yeah, just take everything, even the shirts and leftovers. But like 15 years ago, I didn't know any better. So I was doing what other people were doing, which was, you know, overspending, uh, putting trips on credit cards, uh, getting credit cards 
to build up credit. And, you know, now that I look back, that was the best information I had then. And it came mm. from people around me, you know, and from the, from the news and the media and the, the commercials. But now we have a wealth of information. You have an amazing website with courses and a podcast and a YouTube channel. I'm building my own library of resources. I've built one already in Spanish that's helping a lot of people. Now we have no excuses. There, there's really a wealth of free information on the Internet. It's really the time that we need to put into learning it and then practicing it. Time to do the budget. Time to understand how the 401k works. Time to understand why you need term insurance, you know. Really get interested and, and dedicate in this time in learning how to improve your finances because what I really tell people when they actually listen, no one is going to come and rescue you. Nobody. It's no up to you. No one's yeah. going to rescue you. Nobody rescue me. I was waiting for Santa Claus and for, <laughs> for the magic check. And no one rescued me when I was in my hole. You know, I, I call it the hole. And I was there and it was dark and it was lonely. And nobody came for me. And no one's going to come for you. And you are only the person that's going to be able to say, okay, what information do I need to move in a better um, direction with my finances? And where do I get it? That's it. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And um, you mentioned your podcast, Yasmin, but I know I typically talk about, you know, where people can reach you at the end, but I just have a couple more questions. But I wanted to say to everyone listening, if you are a fluent Spanish speaker, um, immigrant, <laughs> you know, um, anyone in that space that wants to get financial content in Spanish or you know anyone that it would be helpful, Yasmin has an incredible podcast and platform um, in Spanish, that is amazing. So, um, Yasmin, before I let you go and before you share how folks can find you, I'd love to know what is your Clever Girl superpower? My Clever Girl superpower, that would be being um, like self, self-teaching myself things, you know? Like I, I realized that I needed to learn a lot of things and people didn't have the answers that I needed to really improve. So I just started, started teaching myself things and I just started learning, you know, learning how to do a budget, learning how the 401k works, how to choose where to put your money. You know, I just started learning and reading and listening and watching. And I, I taught myself basically how to be a financial coach. Yeah. I took the training too, because I wanted to make sure I was helping people the best way possible, you know, but I've really taught myself many things. So I would say my, my, superpower would be having that initiative to look for the information and, and teach myself and not wait on somebody else to give me the answer or to teach me or to rescue me because I think no, when you take yeah when you take the initiative then you take control of your future and that's when things start happening for you I love that. I love that. This has been so great, Yasmin. I'm, I'm grateful for your time, um, for you being able to come on Thank you, to the podcast and just share your insights and your knowledge and your amazingness. And I'd love for you to share how other people who are listening can keep in touch with you, listen to your podcast, you know, learn more about your Definitely. Thank you so much. Yes. So you guys can visit my website. It's uh, Yasmin Thomas, Y-E-Z-M-I-N. P-H-O-M-A-S. 
that's my blog in English. I have a podcast in English and I have a blog in English and a YouTube channel in English. And I have my other platform, which is my bigger platform in Spanish. So you're going to find a link. It's called Así Vivo Mejor. The whole idea behind that platform is to teach people that debt-free, they can live better. So you'll find all the links in that one place, yasminthomas.com. You'll find all my social media handles. And I'll love for you guys to um, interact with me, learn with my, I, I got a bunch of free resources as well. So I'm just happy to be able to share, you know, what happened to me, the things that I've used to get ahead and just give it to people so that they can do too. But they got to take the initiative, Bola. Yes, and I will be sure to link all of that in the show notes. And so, like she said, um, as Yasmin said, you guys have to take the initiative. It's all about taking the action. That's what I talk about on this podcast all the time. And, you know, it takes action to achieve success. So thank you so much for sharing that. You bet. Thank you so much, Paula. I really enjoyed talking to you. So I hope you guys enjoyed this inspiring episode with Yasmin and it has you motivated as you go out about your day and your lives and start working and making progress on your finances and your financial well-being. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and head over to iTunes and leave a review so that other people just like you, amazing people, can find this podcast as well. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you on the next episode.